Crisis averted. Four and two Colts at the bye week. Kevin Bowen, Chris Presley back in studio on a gloomy Monday morning, but it is a victory. It is. Monday morning, which is the most important thing for, uh, uh, I would say, every sanity driven human being and Colts fan dumb, if that makes <laughs> sense. Not to mention the families of Frank Wright, Chris Ballard, amongst others. Yes. Having, uh, if you would have lost that game. Uh, 1.44 p.m., Chris, I checked the timestamp. I had a how long before Reich is fired Twitter message yesterday. Yeah, I almost sent out a did the Colts think the game started at 1 p.m. Central time? Yeah, or I thought maybe, you know, did they think the game was delayed because of COVID after what happened on Friday? It was uh, one of the worst first quarters you will really ever see yeah. uh, for this franchise, and everything changed in a hurry on that right arm of Phillip Rivers. Before we get into things I liked, things I didn't like, um, again, we will critically evaluate this 60-minute football game like we should, and it's much better that they are doing it under the alternative of a win. And you are 4-2. and two. If the playoffs started today, you would be in playoff position. We've touched on it all along. It's hard in this game with Cincinnati, and even Detroit in a couple of weeks, more so I would say with Cincinnati at home, it was hard, unless the Colts totally dominated the game, to look at it in some huge positive light for what it meant for the month of January. But still, you needed to take care of business because the second half of the schedule is absolutely brutal, Yeah, and the Colts did that with a historic comeback. And I'll tell you, being there for the first time this year, it's different. I mean, the crowd noise... Credit to the Bengals. They traveled well. Yeah, it felt were. like a football game, though, with the roof open and the window open and a 62-degree right. day. A little fall crisp feel. Felt like an actual football game there. It was nice. Yeah, and uh, some would argue how much of a football game the Colts played in the first quarter. But, yeah. again, everything turned after that. Um, I think it's the largest comeback in an NFL game since early 2016. Uh, biggest regular season comeback for the Colts since Tampa Bay, 2003. Such an iconic game as well. So, um, we will definitely touch that, and I get into Twitter questions as well. Before the game, I was watching Sunday NFL Countdown. Rex Ryan, Randy Moss, those guys were talking about Rivers and saying he didn't have it anymore. The arm strength wasn't there. He was slow. He had a really good game yesterday. Dude, I thought it was. Um, I thought it was great. I, I thought it was a beautiful performance, honestly, from him. Uh, boy, his feet was held to the fire by old Rex yeah. and, and company. And I guess I wasn't trying to make a reference to Rex Ryan and feet there, but it just kind of <laughs> came out like that. So, uh, boy, uh, not a great start to the Monday for Kevin after doing three hours of radio. Um, anyways, uh, dude, he, he just threw the ball beautifully. Yeah. I mean, it was um, – you're down 21 nothing, and he deserved no blame. Seriously. He was 4-5 or five at that point. Jack Doyle dropped the ball. Yeah. T.Y. Hilton got mugged on the one incompletion. Should have been a penalty. I mean, how many times are you down 21 nothing and you get the ball to start the game, and your quarterback's done nothing wrong? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Frank Reich pretty much went to Phillip and said, all right, we're throwing a ton on your plate, and we've got to throw the football. I think you're in a rhythm. I think you'll get into a rhythm. Let's go a little tempo, which, you know, I'm always a huge fan of. And uh, the Colts were able to move it vertically. I do want to give credit to the offensive line. You're down 21 nothing. That's disastrous. Mm -hmm. That is, oh, my gosh, obvious passing situations. Phillip Rivers, let's pray that he doesn't get hurt. I mean, that that's literally, or I don't know, some might want him to get hurt to, to move on to the next quarterback, judging by my mentions. But anyways, um, 
incredible. It, it was one of the best quarters I've ever seen from a quarterback, and I don't use that, say that lightly. Right. His accuracy, dropping balls in buckets, oh my gosh. And I mean, I thought Jesse Bates, Bengals safety, said it great after the game. He said he felt like he knew that, that Rivers knew exactly where he was going with it the whole time, and like he almost threw it out of bounds or the wideouts catch it. Like, it was just either or. The ball is either going to be thrown away or it's going to be this toe tap that literally covers every inch of the field. Mm -hmm. And that is throwing with anticipation. That is throwing guys open. That is knowing that I have this window and I know where the ball needs to go. And, boy, there's not a lot of margin for error. I better fit it in there. And he did. Yeah, he he did. did. I mean, time and time again, you were getting no help from the run game. Again, I think 14 rushing yards in the whole second quarter on four carries. And yet... Rivers goes his stats in the second quarter, Chris. 14 of 21 for 233. One quarter of football. Eight plays, 87 yards, touchdown. Nine plays, 80 yards, touchdown. Nine plays, 82 yards, touchdown. That final drive, man. Yeah. That's no settling for a field goal. That is, we are going vertical. Pascal on the third and ten, I think it was, on that touchdown right before half. Um, holy shit. I mean. Literally double birds to people saying bench me mm-hmm. uh, straight up. I mean, it was it was just an incredible performance by him. Again, major credit to the offensive line. You need the protection to be sound, but also he just he his ball placement was impeccable. And throwing to eight different receivers during the game, who would have thought coming into this season that Marcus Johnson would have five reception, one hundred eight yards, and that long touchdown or that long uh, reception? Like who? How about, like, oh, wait, number 12 is wearing a jersey and he's black? Oh, my gosh, I yeah. thought it was Andrew Luck. Like, what? Yeah. yeah, okay, DeMichael Harris is playing. Like, seriously, I mean, who are, the, you know, Marcus Johnson? Yeah, we know of him a little bit, but still, it's Johnson, Burton, DeMichael Harris, guys that weren't even on your roster a month ago contributing yep. for you, really stepping up. Um, and, you know, the Bengals have been decent against the pass this year. Like, that's kind of, their run defense has really struggled. They've been okay against the pass. Um, I, I, I don't even know what his best throw was. Maybe one of the sideline ones to Burton, I think, was his best one. Red zone, situational. You go 4-4 four four in the red zone. You go 7-11, of 11, I think it was, on third down. Yeah. Man, you've been dreaming for that. And so, just outstanding by him. Uh, the fourth quarter interception is welcome to 60 minutes of football with Phil Rivers. That was a heat check. That was, uh, you know, pulling from the volleyball line, whatnot. But um, still, dude, just an outstanding performance. And look, this is not the norm. <laughs> we should not. I'm not changing my expectations for Philip Rivers and be like, oh my god, this is, you know, he's going to be an MVP the final ten games. He can do this though, like, and, and I, I. It always sounds like I'm ripping Jacoby Brissett because. That's the backup, and we oftentimes talk about the backup so much, but the Colts don't come back yeah. with Jacoby at quarterback. He doesn't. I, I've said it so many times in this podcast, and I will continue to say it. This passing offense attempts throws that they did not attempt last season. That is a good thing and a bad thing. Yesterday was a great thing. That vertical passing game, mm-hmm. that protection solid, Rivers can step up over the top, seven completions of at least 20 yards, this is why I just laughed at people that were acting like he should be benched for Jacoby. It's like, no, if you want the best chance, the highest ceiling, 
here in 2020. It's not as high of a ceiling as you would like, but it's higher than your other option. He's got to be under center, especially when you get no support from the run game, which you've gotten through six weeks. Um, unbelievable. Great, great work by Philip Rivers. Getting the running backs more involved, getting the tight ends mm-hmm. more involved as well. Um, yeah, job well done for him. He'll, he'll enjoy the bye week, to say the least. And on the other side of the ball, you're not playing a slouch in Joe Burrow. We all know what his potential could possibly be. We saw it with T. Higgins and even A.J. Green getting in the mix finally again for that offense. But when the back was against the wall, a late drive, the defense came up big. Joe Burrow is a good football player. Yes, he is. You know, he, he's going to be a really good football player. I'm not stating, you know, not breaking any news here. T. Higgins also a little bit more speed than I thought as well. Um, the defense had its issues on Sunday, but Chris, how many times have we seen a Colts defense in recent years? 3.30 to go in the game, up for your chance to finish, and you don't. Mm-hmm. I, I felt pretty confident when they went back on the field. I, I did. I was like, okay, I'm starting to see more pressure dialed up here in the second half, a little bit more blitzing, and, I, and I, I'll tell you what, I, it's weird to maybe call a safety a closer, you have the feel like Julian Blackman is a closer. Yes. Like his instincts, if you keep on trying to fit him in tight windows, you're going to make one mistake, and he's going to be right there to make the play and not just be a deep field free safety. Um, they brought Xavier Rhodes as a corner blitz on fourth and nine. Again, the Russian cover issues were there in the first half. Mm-hmm. How many slants was Joe Burrow going to convert in this game? Holy hell. Right. But you finally were starting to... I think make him get rid of it just a tick earlier. You contested a decent amount of balls, which was nice, but having that clinching turnover was just huge. And um, this had to be a complete effort. I mean, think about the amount of pressure. If you don't go four or four in the red zone, all of a sudden, you, if you go three or four, great day in the red zone. I mean, Cincinnati just needs to kick one field goal. Yep. And they obviously missed one earlier in the fourth. And that was another big play now that I think about it. Bullock misses that field goal. By the way, Bullock, I could see him short yardage loading up there. He's, he's, he's a thick boy. Yes, there. he is. Yeah, maybe on third and one they should have used him. Um, on the third and one, two plays before that, or the play before that, DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart, stuff on that run. Tyquan mm-hmm. Lewis comes in. Nice game for Tyquan. Um, five tackles and 20 snaps, which is just a really high number. But, I mean, you got bullied up front in the first quarter just straight up bull I tweeted varsity versus JV and I mean honestly it might not have been JV it might have been the freshman team by not a line that's very good no no not <laughs> at all not either line O-line or D-line for the Bengals and I mean that Joe Mixon touchdown run to make it 21 nothing dude yeah I mean that looked like you know two and a half year old uh, more like four and a half year old Kevin Bowen and nine and a half year old Ryan Bowen in the backyard. Like I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do. Mm-hmm. I mean, DeForest Buckner was on the ground in the end zone on a play that started at what the seven yard line. Yeah, they just kept pushing. I mean, Buckner looked like Jeff Van Gundy in that Heat Knicks <laughs> brawl, yeah. holding on to Alonzo Mourning's leg. Yeah, I mean, I'm like that's six seven three hundred pounds on his ass. Yeah. I'm like, what in the world? That is straight steamrolled, bullied. This is a disaster. Mm-hmm. Um, wake-up call. It shouldn't have taken 21 nothing <laughs> to get that wake-up call, uh, but at least you answered the call and you rebounded. And, again, the defense finishing. Buckner in the second half, getting after the quarterback, hitting Burrow, getting a sack as well. The third and one stop, like I said, 
And then I thought Ben Banigou had a nice rush on that uh, pick by Blackman. So closing, closing, finishing, capping games. Um, it shouldn't have taken that, but still, you were in that situation, and four and two is a whole lot better than a disaster three and three, knowing that you've squandered two games where you're touchdown favorites. Yes, yeah. and I tell you what, you look to the sideline. Leonard would have gone out there and played without pads. Oh, he was he fired was, up. He man. was ready to go. He was fired up. A lot of things after the first quarter that we liked. Let's talk about some things we didn't like. Obviously, that first quarter and the start just it wasn't there. Yeah, and one last thing that I want to mention. Um, I know I touched on this a little bit earlier, but I just do want to commend Marcus Johnson and Trey Burton mm-hmm. and DeMichael Harris, yes. those type of guys. I mean, again, Chris, we are not talking about the Hiltons and the Doyles and the you know, whoever of the world. We are talking about some unsung guys, and um, great. You know, I, I wanted Wildcat in the red zone. I love seeing Burton in that Wildcat. Uh, what I really liked about it was a wrinkle. Rivers lined up initially in the shotgun. Burton at tight end, you know, think about it. If you bring Bursette in there, that alerts the defense right away. You have Burton, you line up quarterback and shotgun, then you switch them. Now Cincinnati's scrambling a little bit. Mm-hmm. and all, You only need a yard, and Burton barely got the yard, but still, that little hesitancy I think was the difference. Really liked to Michael Harris, Marcus Johnson. I know we'll have some Twitter questions on him, so I'll wait to him there. Um, remind, remind me again, first thing I didn't like? The start of that game. God, how, how do I how do, how do I forget that? Uh, <laughs> well, why? How? Again, it should not take that to be locked in when they don't even get the ball start the game. You know, you, you gave it to him after two plays. Jack Doyle just an inexcusable fumble. I mean, point blank. I you know, uh, you cannot have that from a guy that his best strength is his reliability. Mm-hmm. When he doesn't give you that, it borderlines on liability. Now, huge touchdown grab by Doyle. And that's what a pro should do, uh, come back and, and give you that. And he certainly did. But, I mean, the Bengals were a ho- horrible first-quarter team all year long. Um, you know, I talked about it in the Seven Things article that I write and post each Thursday. The only way this becomes a game is if you give them a short field. Here you go. 22-yard screen to start the game. Jonathan Taylor looking like a man possessed in open field. And then you give him that. It just uh, – it's, it's weird, Chris. You, you – I blame coaching because I think it influenced every facet. Every facet had issues, but then you watch Doyle drop it, and you're just like, "Yeah." I mean, come on now. I mean, where's player accountability with that as well? But still, your defense got shredded, and then got shredded again, and then got shredded for a third time to start the game. So I thought it was an extremely disappointing start. It gave the Bengals life. Um, it forced you to obviously be in a very competitive 60-minute football game where the margin for error was out the window right then, and yeah, it was um jeez, man, it's just just ugly. Just just an ugly ugly start. Now defensively, we've seen back-to-back really poor starts and this team just cannot play with fire. It's, you know, I, I had a question obviously about Rivers, can you win a comeback game? Mhm. And against the team that's probably drafting top 5 next year, you've won a comeback game, which is a positive step certainly. But still, you won't be facing any team like the Cincinnati Bengals the rest of the season. No. You know, the they won a road game in more than two years, the Bengals. Like, there's a reason they stink. And you gave them hope. You gave them life. It was back to the plane to your competition, mm-hmm. something that I felt like the Colts avoided after Jacksonville with Minnesota and the Jets. And now um, you certainly did that on Sunday. So that was really disappointing to me. 
And it was a little disappointing also, I mean, the, the defense in that first quarter. We've seen the defense bow up now, like I, I texted you last night, in the second half the last two weeks. But the first half, especially that first quarter, just not there. Yeah, you know, 20 points to the Browns, 24 to the Bengals. Yeah, they had a short field, but still, it was a 50-yard drive that ends in a touchdown. Um, just terrible, terrible defensive play. Rush cover is such a popular phrase that Matt Everflus loves to use. Non-existent in the first half of Burrow too easy of a rhythm. Both coverage and rush-wise. I mean, Higgins getting behind you. Hell, even A.J. Green got behind you as well. I mean, those aren't burners that you expect them to to do that at all. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think this defense has certainly regressed from the historic start we saw early on. And, yeah, the second-half adjustments, solid, great. And you've, you know, came back and won the game on Sunday. But you haven't played a single top-15 offense yet. Right. Not one. And you're giving up 20 and 24 points in an entire half. I mean, those are just massive numbers. At one point yesterday, it was eight straight scoring drives that your defense had allowed in the first half. So, um, I was texting a little bit after the game with Joe Wright's former former Colt. And, mm-hmm. and, you know, he mentioned that and does a great job on the Monday night show with Matt Taylor and Rick Venturi. You know, he mentioned that, you know, not having Leonard out there Physically, obviously, it hurts you just because he is a good player, but there's an emotional presence that he brings. I think it's a really good point Joe makes and something I probably don't put enough stock into. But again, it shouldn't have to take mm-hmm. a Leonard emotional yeller, whatever you want to call him, hype man, to provide you to be locked in early in a game. Yeah. Um, and this is not just four drives in the first half. You give up 13 points. Okay. I mean, 20 and 24, huge numbers. So um, that, that, that's been really disappointing to me. Russian cover improved in the second half. Um, did a decent job on Mixon even in the first half. I mean, a few, not, not, not great, but in how much did the right foot injury yeah. you know, impact him as well. But, um, yeah, it, it, it just there's a lot of pressure on this defense right now, you know, and that's just the status of this team here in 2020. But – you're going to face better offenses and to see the issues you've seen in the first half. And then, again, I'm a big believer in game flow. Yes, the defense deserves credit for what they've done in the second half, but Cleveland and Cincinnati are calling totally different games when oh, yeah. they're playing with those leads a bit as well. Um, and still in the second half, you know, they start on their one-inch line and they drive for a field goal. There was still some leakage there as well, uh, but finishing off the game is the most important thing that they did, and they certainly did that. Anything else you want to touch on, or should we jump into Twitter questions? Yeah, I think, I think that's uh, that's all I had, so let's dive into the Twitter sphere. All right, the first one comes from Dave, who enjoys your work and your viewpoints. He wants to know, do you think Rivers was thinking about your stuck-in-the-mud comments as he was moving up in the pocket this week? <laughs> Boy, I hope Philip Rivers listens to this podcast, but I would actually, I probably don't hope that. And certainly for his family's <laughs> sake, I don't hope that as well. He's got a lot on his hands. Uh, it was funny, you know, hearing after the game, Rivers admit that he read everything last week, and that's very rare for him to do. He said he wanted to kind of get to know the indie media market. We've never met him in person right? with, with COVID and whatnot, and uh, he thought, rightfully so, we should have written that he stunk, and uh, he, he appreciated that honesty. Um, and it was weird. He's like, I wasn't looking for it for motivation. I'm like, I mean, why else are you reading it? Yeah, I, yeah <laughs> I don't know why else you'd read it, but uh, – you know, Dave, in all seriousness, I go back to the point of 
that O-line, that pass protection. I mean, you're down 21 nothing. Obvious passing situations. And your O-line in that second quarter was flawless mm-hmm. in protection. I mean, one strip sack, Chris, and the game's probably over. Yeah. Seriously, I mean, you had to be perfect in the red zone. So, um, just a great, great job by that pass unit. And I feel bad for them that one sack is on the box score because Rivers can't scramble back to the line of scrimmage. <laughs> Kid asked, was this the defining moment for the Colts, or were they just returning to level against a one-win team? Who is this from? Kit. Kit. Um, yeah, I can't go defining moment for a team draft in the top five. I think this is, again, more of playing to the, to the competition. And and um, I still think it's a playoff team. And, and you know, this will probably be our only podcast of the week. We'll, we'll get into two um, next week. But, you know, this is kind of our bye week and – overview again we'll do that early next week but you know you're four and two at the bye if the playoff started today you'd be the seventh seed I think you'd play Pittsburgh um I want to say or uh yeah Pittsburgh because Tennessee would get the bye right now again there's only one bye this year but I can't sit here and say with any confidence Chris that I think this is a team that can go on the road and win a playoff game Mm -hmm. um now the good news is you're gonna have more chances to prove me wrong and to change my opinion on it. But right here, right now, the game we saw yesterday was too reminiscent of the games we saw early last season when the point differential and, like, okay, is this record a fluke? Because to me, I'm sorry, not every win is the same. Not every loss is the same. Like, in the in the win-loss column, yes. And making the playoffs, yes. But in terms of evaluating this team as playoff success, right. not at all. Um you know, I just if it takes that to beat the Bengals, I mean, that was literally perfect Phillip Rivers outside of the pick. That's not gonna happen. Now, sure, is Jack Doyle gonna put the ball in the turf? You'd like think that's better. But you know, the Bengals had three or four drops. They missed a field goal. Like, it's not like that they gave you some opportunities as well in that game. Um So yeah, you know, four and two. You've played the easiest schedule in the NFL, and that's what the numbers indicate right now. And uh Man, the, 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 the January tests are coming, which I love. I, I want to see this team uh, play against the best. And that four-week gauntlet, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, Baltimore, Tennessee short week, Green Bay, Tennessee again. Jeez, strap it up. Strap it the bleep up. Bailey says, how about that red zone percentage, baby? Oh, she's fired up. Coming in a little hot. But, man, it feels good to see 4-4. Four and four. Also, a huge third-down conversion on that last field goal drive. There are a, a couple third and longs. Yeah. Hilton underneath. I think Burton had one as well. But, I mean, Bailey's spot on. 4-4 four four in the red zone, Chris. It's and, and, you know, it was interesting. I talked about the Burton Wildcat, which, again, I loved that little wrinkle in there from Frank Reich getting Rivers in the shotgun. The other three touchdowns were in that little bit longer red zone. Ten-yarder to Burton. Um, 17 to Pascal, 14 to Doyle. You know, you weren't in the goal to go. You were a little bit further back, and I don't know. Maybe that was better for them. They kind of opened up the field. And, I mean, the the placement. I mean, River said after the game, the Burton throw, okay, that was a little bit too, you know, close to the sideline. But the Pascal ball and the Doyle ball, yeah. that Doyle ball, I mean, that's that's full extension Jack Doyle, and that's exactly where it – and, I mean, when Rivers throw, Rivers has made the read there and knows that, like, that is my window. And I think that's the difference between, again, him versus your quarterback situation last year is 
He knows the windows are not long in the NFL. He knows where they're going to be. The arm just doesn't all doesn't always hold up. But man, that that placement right there was just mm-mm. <laughs> Loved it. Loved it. Well, let's stay on the quarterback play with a question from Conroy. Wants to know, does the performance like Rivers had yesterday upset you knowing it only validates the mindset of Frank to stick with Phil? Says, I had mixed emotions about it. Happy about the win, but wish we could see another quarterback. <laughs> Conroy. Um, you know, I think I've mentioned this prior on, on the podcast, Chris. It's, it, it, it's tough as a fan because... You know, a lot of people, and and I don't disagree with their thinking, they know the ceiling with this football team here in 2020, and they see a team that probably isn't capable of winning a playoff game. Mm -hmm. You know, that's where I think some people currently lie. Um, So they are just like, oh, my gosh, does this delay the inevitable? But I also am like, man, that's a tough way to live as a fan over a 16-game record. And what happens if the run game all of a sudden – Merges for you, and you yeah. get the right draw in round one of the playoffs. Or, you know, Tennessee, you are going to play them twice in, you know, fourteen days. If you know Henry gets hurt, now Taylor Lewan's hurt. Like, you know, crazy shit can happen in the NFL. But I also see the bigger picture of like, yeah, <laughs> you know, Sunday's performance. It uh, it it is another stick into the old side of, of those wanting to see Jacob Eason this season. And and again, I tried to really drive home last week that like it's not gonna happen. It's just not. I'm talking about the Colts. Like this team will be five and two in my opinion, going in the gauntlet and there's seven teams that make the playoffs and you won't be mathematically eliminated hell, maybe till the end of the year. Right. So um I get Conroy, I get it. I also think as a fan, you just appreciate the performance yesterday. I mean, that was that was pretty damn good. Pretty damn special. You come back from 21 in the NFL, I don't care who you're playing. That's that's really, really impressive. I think Sunday was just another reminder of why you stick with Rivers. Of he, again, the ceiling isn't crazy high. It's not a massive jump, but he gives you a chance in these types of situations. Yeah. And... That's why you got to throw him out there. Has the quarterback play been about average through six weeks? Yeah, probably. It's been up and down. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily like the quarterback play is holding this team so far back that this team should be 6-0 and right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, the run game has been below, below average. The defense probably slightly better than average. Like, I, I yeah, I just... I don't look at it like that through the through the first six weeks, Conroy. Casey asks, I've noticed the significant improvement in Eberflus and in-game adjustments this year, but how much of that is on the players just making plays or him making tweaks? I, I, I think a little bit of both, Casey. You know, there are some personnel tweaks. You know, there's more pressure thrown at Baker Mayfield, I thought, last week. I thought you really, again, brought heavy blitz late in the game on Sunday. We talked about the Xavier Rhodes on mm-hmm. a fourth down. I want to say Walker came. Maybe Okariki came as well on uh, one of those other third downs. Um, you know, Buckner. Buckner, to me, that is more of an effort thing. I mean, Buckner, I think, you know, he's kind of been quiet in some of these first halves. But, man, yeah. he just keeps coming. Mm-hmm. And those alignment wear down. And what he did to Alex Redman on that sack, just, again, let's pray for the Redman family having to watch that. <laughs> uh, again, 
but but I also sit here and be like, why does it take these first halves? You know, can you make adjustments earlier? Why are you not locked in better? It's not like Cleveland's offense. Yeah, it's it, it has some potency potency, but we saw what it can look like yesterday as well against the Pittsburgh defense that is you know certainly one of the best. Um, I mean, you got straight bullied in that 21-0 hole. Yes. I mean, again, Buckner on his ass on that touchdown. Houston, Houston literally has back turned. It looked like Justin Houston was boxing out to try and jump out the window. <laughs> that was, you know, you know, in that corner of the end zone as well. Um, you know, looked like an impassioned speech from Leonard yeah. on that sideline there after you were down 21-0. So, yes, the end game adjustments, it's key, it's critical, but you're playing with fire getting down like you have these last two weeks. Right. Cody's way too early take is that Julian Blackman, defensive rookie of the year, says Chase Young might be Chase Young might be the only competition at this point, but Blackman seems to be a factor in every single game. Hey now, um, I'd be lying to you if I had a great gauge on every rookie defender in the NFL, Same. but you know, just off the top of my head, first off, there weren't a lot of corners taken in the first round of the draft, nor a lot of linebackers. I guess the Murray kid and the other. Kid for the Chargers. I forget his name. Um, first off, man, that was not an easy interception Blackman made. I mean, that was a little bit out of his radius. Yep. And again, instinctual. You haul it in. It's such a great play by him. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Chase Young, I know he has a couple sacks, and he certainly has all the hype. So that's naturally going to drive voters. The key for Blackman is you got to continue to make like these sorts of plays. It's going to take, yeah. he's got to have more production than Chase Young has to. Now, you should, people will be like, well, the Colts are going to be a playoff team. Washington's not. Like, that should get him votes. I'm sorry. I know how these voters work, man. <laughs> Name recognition, unfortunately, carries some weight. And, and the kid from Tampa, uh, Winfield's kid, Antoine Winfield Jr., He, I think he's had a pretty good start. So, again, I don't know the long list, but any list right now, it better have Julian Blackman's name on it. Right. Craig and Scotty have similar questions regarding the Colts' defense that was atrocious in the first half. Seems very reminiscent of last week. Yet they've only given up 35 total points in the second half, or in the second half over six games. Again, is it coaching or personnel to blame for the slow first halves? Yeah, guys, and I guess this is kind of similar to what I was talking about earlier. And I mentioned the Darius Leonard kind of setting the tone emotionally, physically. Um, it's just Chris. It's and maybe this is too much of my golf mind thinking here, but I'm always like. You know, everyone, and I, I think back to Kevin Bowen as a eighth grader or whatever, seventh grader, you know, trying to break 80 for the first time, and it's like, oh, my gosh, just shot 37 on the front nine. Here I am walking at 10T, and I'm going to get this done, and I shoot 45. It's like when you get off to a hot start, can you do it for 60 minutes? And then vice versa. I go out and shoot 45 in the front nine, and it's like, oh, yeah, then I shoot 37 on the back, and I sit at home, and I'm like, I'm I'm the 37 golfer. I yeah. know I am. And then it's like, don't be naive. You've got to you got to prove you're the 37 golfer on both nines. Like, it, when you give up that much, you bet you sure as hell better make some adjustments and tweaks. And and that offense, I also think, just gets complacent to a degree. And I mean, how many teams do you see put up 40 in a week in the NFL? It doesn't happen very right. often. So, um. It's 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 got to change. Right now, how I look at this defense is again, you haven't played a top fifteen offense. You just yeah. haven't. And I thought at the start of the year it would kind of hover. I think I said like ten to twelve ranking. 
That's kind of where I thought it'd be. I still am kind of there. I think it's improved for sure. Oh, yeah. And Buckner continues to rack up the quarterback hit numbers, and I was glad for his sake that he got a sack yesterday and a couple tackles for loss just to pad that all-pro type of stats that that you need. Um, So I still think it is definitely an improved defense, um, but I'm not ready to sit here and say top five or anything like we saw early in the year. Yeah. Jordy feels like yesterday's game should be the end of any Bench Rivers talk, in his opinion. Jacoby simply doesn't bring it bring to the table what Phil does, and it was on full display in that game. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Jordy, I mean, that's that's that. I mean, I guess if you're trying to protect the lead, Brissett might be the one you'd want in the game. I don't, hey, let's go two-quarterback system here, like, a, like Dane Christ and Tommy Reese or whatever the hell. Um, sorry about <laughs> your Vols, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. It was a tough weekend as a fan for me. Yeah, Braves, gosh. Vols. I forgot about the Braves, too. Yeah, <sighs> I apologize. I it's shouldn't okay. even brought it up. It's all right. Um. Jordy, yeah, I mean, again, who gives you the better chance when you don't have everything working? Mm-hmm. I think that's where Rivers gives you, like, it's not going to be, and, and this is it, this is tough because skill set-wise, when things aren't working pass protection, it is probably Jacoby that gives you the better chance because he can make a little play with his feet. But when you don't have support in the run game and you're asked to put up points, that's where Rivers Gives you the better chance. Just Jacoby just just wasn't willing to make those throws last year, and I, he would not have brought you back from that that deficit. I'll tell you what, though, there was a guy behind me after every incompletion yesterday chaining Kobe. <laughs> he wanted Jacoby in every incompletion. Bring him in. <laughs> I, I like tweeted out in the second quarter. It's one of those tweets you send and you're like you're a little hesitant, and it's kind of like, which at this point I have so much scar tissue. I'm just like, yeah, just send it. <laughs> but it's like, folks, um. Rivers is throwing the ball really well. Overthrew um, the ball at one point. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and I tweeted, oh, my gosh, his arm's too strong. You know, it, it's like he's throwing it really well. I know the score's 21-7, but – and I'm such a big believer in, like, the score does not all of a sudden mean everything is bad, everything's good. Like, there, it's a lot going on in a football game, mm-hmm. folks. So, And thankfully, I felt like for the most part fans realized that as well, so I was glad to see – They were seeing that as well. This one's from Edward. A big Twitter question. We were all wondering, who the hell is DeMichael Harris, and why am I the biggest fan of him already? DeMichael Harris, undrafted free agent from, I think, Southern Miss, I believe. Uh, Played a little running back and wide out in college. Really had a nice camp. I mean, had some nice moments. I I think I said on Beers with Bowen, I was like, oh, yeah, I think he'll be a practice squad guy. I thought he was somebody that, you know, you had Campbell and Doolin, so you didn't really need another slot, but – um, I really like this personnel move by the Colts to bring him up. You've, we've talked about it. What are you getting from the slot? What are you getting from a yak? What are you getting from a speed standpoint? And, you know, people freaking out at 11.30 when those inactives came out. Reese Fountain, Desmond Patman, and yet DeMichael Harris is playing? Yeah. Skill set. Speed. After catch. Slot. That's not Fountain. That's not Patman. Fountain and Patman are on your 53-man roster, I think largely to protect them a little bit. Like, DeMichael Harris, you know, Chris Bauer doesn't want anyone talking about him in training camp because he wants to try to fly under the radar yeah. and keep him on this team. So, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. He, he brings a little Dexter McCluster. I'm trying to think of, like, past you know, Ballard people that yeah. he's had in Kansas City or something like that. There is a 
There's an intriguing, yeah. I mean, when he was wearing 12, that certainly caught my eye. But creating separation in the short areas of the field. We've talked about them in this podcast a lot. We talked about it last week. The Colts aren't separating enough. In the, in the short areas, Harris showed a little bit. Yeah. So um, I'd like to see more of him. Yeah, he came in and was in the slot, and I'm going, who the heck is 12? Right. I grabbed my program. He's not even in the program. <laughs> like, Nothing like the program having to be sent out on Tuesday and you're calling this kid up <laughs> yeah. on a Saturday. Okay, Britton Tanner have similar questions in regards to Marcus Johnson, though, if they feel like he needs more playing time and doesn't get the recognition he deserves. He's been making big plays, seems like, every game. You know, we've, we've always been Marcus Johnson fans here. Uh, I'm thinking back to the beers with Bo and Chris that we laid out those scenarios. Reese Fountain, you would want to protect because you think he could be picked up. Right. Or Patman, you, you think he could be claimed. Reese, maybe. Marcus Johnson's going to help you out the most week one. Ashton Doolin's going to help you out the most week one on special teams. Yep. Marcus Johnson would help you out at receiver if you needed him there. Sure enough, some injuries. There you go. <laughs> you know, uh, welcome to the game, Marcus Johnson. One of the few player-player trades Chris Ballard has um, made in his tenure. He made it a couple years ago. Frank Reich has history with them in Philly. He was an undrafted free agent with the Eagles and has um, – Great speed, four three eight, four three nine speed. So um, he's playing a good amount yes, he already, and I think he is your number three wideout. Honestly, he probably deserves number two targets. What do you have yesterday? He had eight, which God, I'm looking at it. That's the most on the team. You know, Pascal still is going to play a lot because it's blocking. By the way, Pascal and Tungy I got blown up early. We talk a lot about the run blocking. You know, those two got just blown up on early run plays. Um. But, yeah, you know, he had LASIK surgery in the offseason, Marcus Johnson. I thought he ran a complete route tree yesterday. Yes. Which is something that you liked as well. So, um, good work from uh, from him. And, honestly, right now that, that, that you need it. T.Y. Hilton, you know, a little snake bitten yesterday with some of those penalties. Still had a drop that, you know, when you have concerns a bit physically production-wise, you've got to secure the easy ones. And Hilton didn't do that on that screen. You know, one catch and five targets for Hilton. It looks horrific. It's not good. I don't think he played as poorly as that indicates. But still, right now, this is a team without a number one wideout. Colts Maniac wants to know, what do we have to do to get our coaching staff to use more up-tempo offense? Uh, it seems like we used it this season, but it hasn't been successful. Yeah, it's Or it good. has been successful when we have used it. You know, it, it's a good question. I am a big tempo guy. You know, I... I think the staff's just so afraid of like if you lose if you use it and you go three and out and now all of a sudden you're putting your defense in a bad spot. That's like the common phrase. You know, I know the Colts would really like to interchange their personnel. I don't maybe they haven't found a personnel grouping that they really like. You know, it's one of those things where you typically like to use it if you have a personnel grouping you like and then they're in a personnel grouping that you feel like you have a big advantage of. Mm-hmm. You know, the, Cleveland did a good job of it last week getting Zaire Franklin on the field in base, but yet using their tight ends. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that. I, I, I would like to see it more. Cameron has a couple questions for you. What the hell is wrong with the run game? And are we expecting Ture to be back after the bye? And any word on Campbell's possible return? Yeah, I mean, run game, I'm just... <laughs> I want to see a little bit more from Taylor again. You know, I, I, we've talked about the run blocking. I just feel like he gets in the open field and looks totally more confident than he does um, making those runs turn into bigger plays. You know, Jeff Saturday, we had him on this morning in the Fan Morning Show. He's like, if the run is going to go for four yards, 
Taylor gets the four yards. If the run's going to go for a yard, he gets you the yard. I don't think he's giving you a lot of make a man miss, find that subtle hole that you might not see right there, and then hit it. Um, I mean, I, w- I would say the Rex Ryan comments from yesterday that I did find interesting is you know, he talked about how Phillip is so slow that he can't get to the outside zone plays. I don't think that's the craziest thought, to be honest with you. I mean, this team doesn't run boots. Mm-hmm. You know, they just they just don't. And I do think that is a missing part of your offense. Ture, uh, eligible to come back after the bye. I'm not sitting here saying it's a slam dunk. He's out there every third down against the Lions. I just, you know, this is a guy that hasn't practiced in a year. Yeah. And some concerns about where he was at rehab-wise. So let's just not have these grand expectations immediately from Ture. Campbell. You know, you're obviously hoping December, but I'm not holding my breath. We got a question from Matt who had even sworn off social media and doesn't have a Twitter account. But he oh, has, boy. But he has to ask. Had San Fran held on to the win last year's Super Bowl, DeForest Buckner more than likely would have been the Super Bowl MVP. Do you think the Colts could have still traded for him? Feels like he's been better than advertised and can't imagine the Colts' defense playing this well without him. That's uh, that's really interesting. You know, if uh, – if he wins Super Bowl MVP, don't isn't that kind of hard to trade the Super Bowl MVP? Yeah, I mean I get it. Like financially, San Francisco had it had their reasons, and I I understand it honestly, I do. But um, it's just like, wow, you're really going to trade the Super Bowl MVP, and then of course, that gives San Francisco leverage of being like, more people probably are interested. They can drive up that package. Would the price have gotten too high for the Colts to say no? Mm-hmm. It seemed like Ballard really really wanted them. So I, I don't know, but it is I Matt, it's a really good question. I'm curious again how high that asking price would have would have gotten. Randy hates to ask this as a Colts fan, but would you rather be a Colts fan or a Bengals fan? Feels like the Burrow and Higgins versus the unknown quarterback and wide receiver one for the Colts is very different. Oh yeah, I'd rather be a Bengal. I mean, you know, cheering for the Bengals is tough just because you're the Bengals and that fight song that they have after each touchdown <laughs> is just mind numbing. But, um, yeah, I mean, they're set at quarterback for the next decade. Yeah. I, I don't even put that much stock into, like, Higgins versus I, – I thought T. Higgins looked really good yesterday, and I've talked about how the Colts really liked him coming out. Um, but, I mean, as long as they hit on a couple offensive linemen, uh, you know, certainly they got to get some help on defense too. But, again, <laughs> I'd rather have the quarterback set in stone for the next decade. And Right. I, I, I was impressed by Burrow yesterday. Mm-hmm. You know, under under duress, I thought he stood in there, and made some big throws, and um, yeah, oh yeah, that's that's a pretty much a no brainer for me. This one's from Joshua, who asked, "What do you think the Colts will do if they go zero and three after Detroit? Because it looks like a very real possibility. It's going to be hard to make the playoffs at five and five with six games left. The way the AFC looks, yeah, I mean, I really think eight and eight is going to get you in, Chris. You know, I do right now." Colts are at four and two. Vegas is at three and two. No one else above five hundred. Now you know losing a head-to-head tiebreaker to Cleveland, it might sound minuscule right now. It certainly matters um, as well. So, um, yeah, I don't think anything. Dra- you know, what do you think the Colts will do? I guess is he asking benching Rivers again? I, I don't. I don't necessarily know exactly what you're saying there, but. Um, Multiple horrific games, mm-hmm. losses, mathematically limited. It's going to take all that. Yeah. Like, And, again, I'm speaking from the Colts. 
Randy wants to know the possibility of the Colts swinging for a wide receiver in a trade, and if so, what would it take to pry Cooper from Dallas? Oh, gosh, a lot. I mean, Dallas just gave him a huge, huge contract. Yeah, hey, I'm not expecting something. Trade deadline now in two weeks. You know, I don't know. Do you think you have someone to Michael Harris a little bit here? I, you know, Pittman's coming back. Do you look at that as kind of a pseudo trade that you're doing? Marcus Johnson has obviously emerged. So, yeah, wide out on paper. It's certainly the position. But, you know, the trade deadline, it's just so, so yeah. underwhelming year in and year out. AJ knows that the Colts are just doing their due diligence with Ed Dodd scouting Trey Lance, but does that show a lack of confidence in the development of Jacob Eason? Oh, not at all, AJ. I mean, you took Jacob Eason at number 122 overall. No team takes a quarterback at 122 and says, here's the keys to the franchise. I mean, no Mm -hmm. one. So, you know, Eason can still be a really nice backup for you on a a rookie deal, you know, if you're there as well with Brissetta free agents. So, no, no, no. I mean, the Colts are... uh, this is a, we know what Jacob Eason is. We also know that it'd be beyond naive to throw the franchise at him. You throw the franchise at a guy you've truly identified. It's an earlier pick, and you hope, sure, you've got a Dak Prescott, you've got a Kirk Cousins. I'm trying to think of other fourth-round picks, third-round picks that have panned out, but no. Yeah. No. All right, four more Twitter questions left. We'll start with this one from Mitchell, who has a two-parter, and we'll go with the first part first. He says, I know people don't like Le'Veon Bell, but if the Colts can get him cheap on a one- to two-year deal, I think that him and Mac are close in skill level, and I'd say that Le'Veon Bell has better vision than Taylor, and Taylor, you can tell, is struggling with the vision. Yeah, I have a feeling this was sent in last week before the Bell signing. Um, So, yeah, I just disregard that one. Does, Does he have another? Yep, the second one is a very interesting one. If you had to pick winners of fights between current Colts and former Colts. Fights? Fights in their prime. Who wins? Leonard versus Gary Brackett. Fights, brawls. Yes. L- Leonard. I, I mean, I love Stack Pickle. I'm sad to see a few of them close, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, come on. I mean, that's a, yeah, yeah you're, you're winning that when you check in for the old weigh-in. All right, the man you had on this morning in the morning show, Jeff Saturday or Quentin Nelson? Oh, I love you, Jeff. But, uh, yeah, again, you're uh, you're you're winning that on the way in. Two more, T.Y. versus Marvin? Marvin. I mean, yeah, Marvin's got a little bit of a off-the-field record. And I don't – oh, boy, I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I don't want to be fighting. But yeah, sorry. <laughs> and lastly, Bob Sanders and Willis. Oh, Bob. And I love Kari Willis. I, I, I really like Kari Willis a lot, but those were kind of easy. Yeah. Great card, though. I mean, I'd watch it. I'd sit down and watch <laughs> it, but um, <laughs> yeah. All right, Jason has the obligatory luck question for this week's podcast. Even if he had the itch to come back, given his nature, might he be, ap- might he be apprehensive about injecting himself into the Colts if there was an established starter, a.k.a. Rivers, year two, Assuming Rivers' experiment is a one-year scenario, are you saying there's a chance? Wow, a, a luck question. It's been a while since we got an, an Andrew Luck. Maybe the number 12 jersey coming back out brought this up. Um, Jason, I don't. I was up at 3:45 this morning, so maybe it's that. But luck questions generally make my head hurt. I'm a little <laughs> confused by what exactly you're asking. I would say this. 
if and if I'm Chris Bowden and Andrew Luck called me and said I would like to come back and play quarterback, I would make sure the COVID trailer was clear. I would go have Andrew Luck take a COVID test, and I'd have a Settlers of Catan board game in his locker ready to go <laughs> and say come back. I mean, right? Yeah. Yeah. I. Yes. I don't care. Yes. Yes. We're gonna stick here with Andrew Luck. This one's from oh, JJ. Man, we got two of them. Yep. Jeez. Good thing is the end of the pod. Given what you know, if you had to do it again, would you draft Luck? He was talented and contributed to many victories. On a negative side, they lost two years to injuries or whatever it was, and he injected uncertainty and secrecy into the locker room. If he retired without anyone knowing in advance, he had to have been disconnected with the team. The surprise messed up last season. Man, how about that line? He injected uncertainty and secrecy. Sounds like a good novel. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, J.J., if I can predict a guy is going to retire at 28, then, yeah, I'm definitely drafting someone else. <laughs> you know, I'm not drafting a guy at number one overall that's going to play for six years. But, I mean, if I had hindsight like that, hell, I'd be I'd be a rich, rich man. <laughs> um, I mean, RG3, you worried about injury, like Tannehill went eight overall. Yes. Is, yeah, that, that, yeah, yeah, I – Yes, if I knew he was going to retire, of course I'm not going to draft him. But, I mean, come on. Last question for this week's podcast comes from John. If Aaron Rodgers forces Green Bay to drop him, is Indianapolis the most attractive place for him to come? We have a ready-made defense, solid offensive line, and young weapons that sound pretty good to him. This upcoming wide receiver free agency class also looks good with Allen Robinson, Kenny Galladay, and Juju. Could this be the year the Colts really pay some free agents that push us into the Super Bowl conversation. Boy, talk about an age-old question there. Um, I mean, is right. I mean, where, where's Rogers going? Like, I know he had a bad game yesterday, but I mean, if you're Green Bay, you're, you're gonna hold on to that. I would think throughout the contract, and then pass. Uh, do what you did with him, like you did with Favre. Right. You know, Rogers sat for what three years? Three. Yeah. I think so. Three, four. Uh, you know, I'm very curious, John, how the cap situation plays out. But I mean, wideout continues to be. And we'll get into this maybe on next week's early pod. And I'm going to write something on 107.5thefan.com later this week about it. I'm going to look at the free agents right now for the Colts, where you're at, mm-hmm. and kind of gauge you know what you should do, what you might do with really about 12 starters playing in contract years. It's just, I think you got to upgrade a wide out. I, I, but I say that with also saying, like, what you've gotten from Campbell and Pittman doesn't make me want to run to a Hilton out of town right away, you know? Like, And that's always kind of been the debate with him. So, yeah, I mean, those wideouts certainly are attractive names. I also think, Chris, you got to be realistic in your own cap situation because, right, you know, you got a lot of big decisions to make. Mm-hmm. All right, that does it for Twitter questions. Cool, cool. Um, Again, I know we had probably a half dozen, maybe more than that, we didn't get to. We'll get to those next week. Um... Yeah, like I said, bye week stuff on the website. We'll look at the rookies, see how they've played so far, look at the free agents as well, kind of give out some grades. And um, we'll come back probably early Monday, you know, depending on our, our, our schedules and what the Colts end up doing. But they won't practice all this week. Frank Reich will talk to the media today, and that'll be it. Yeah. So, if you guys have any questions, you know where to find me. Anything else? You good? No, just excited for that and the beers with Bowen. 
Yeah, Beers with Bowen, like Chris, um, has plugged November 11th. So that is three weeks from t- or from Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So uh, looking forward to that. That'll be the night before the Titans game. Big one. Yeah. In Nashville. He's Chris Press. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everybody have a great week. See ya.